Welcome to Loves and Actions podcast, where learning to lead a more fulfilling life in Christ becomes practical and applicable to the situations we face along our journeys every day. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Today, I wanted to talk about emotions and what happens when our emotions become a bit dysregulated. They often start off innocently. Something happens and we respond. When our emotions are regulated, we can express anger, disappointment, happiness, and or relief without those emotions controlling us. If they are not regulated, however, our feelings start to become obsessions. If you think such a scenario could never happen to you, consider the following. When our emotions begin to linger a little longer than they should, something else starts to occur. We begin to feed those emotions in ways that we shouldn't. For example, if it's anger we're feeling, we find people to be angry with instead of us learning to let it go. If happiness is our addiction, we'll chase it even when that means making irresponsible decisions. Simply put, we're trading God's light for darkness. And I would caution you that it's easier than you think when we aren't intentional enough with our emotions and decisions. If you're looking for a biblical example of emotional dysregulation, I would recommend Moses when he and the Israelites were at Kadesh. The Israelites were complaining yet again. They had no water, and so they asked Moses in Numbers 20 verses 4 and 5, Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. First, we should take a moment to acknowledge that the underlying ask is fair. They do need water to survive. Nevertheless, the delivery of their message demonstrated a lack of faith and gratitude. They referred to their dwelling place as evil, as if Egypt and bondage were better. This is a trouble with living in darkness. After a while, you aren't sure what light is anymore. In response to their complaints, Moses and Aaron go to God to ask for help. The glory of God's presence appears to Moses and Aaron, and he tells Moses to take the rod, gather the congregation, and to speak to the rock so that it will yield water. Moses then takes the rod. Next, he and Aaron assemble the people. It would appear that we're on the right track, but then something goes wrong. Moses cries out to the Israelites in verse 10, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Now, it's fine that Moses was frustrated by the Israelites complaining because it was a frustrating situation. Yet Ephesians 4.26 advises us to be angry and do not sin. We get to feel our emotions, but they are not supposed to control us. In this situation, Moses allowed his anger to consume him. I'm sure we can relate to that. By doing this, however, he separated himself from God. He then gave the credit for God's impending blessing to himself and to Aaron. It's like someone saying to you or me, well, I prayed for you and this happened, so you should be grateful to me. Moses then strikes the rock twice and water comes flowing out. Despite the failed execution of God's instructions, God has mercy on the Israelites and gives them water. Moses and Aaron, however, do not fare so well. 
in verse 12, God says to them, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Notice that Moses's active disobedience and Aaron's passive disobedience net the same consequences. In God's eyes, disobedience is disobedience, and we must answer for our choices. When I first considered this story, I thought God's response was a bit strong. After all, Moses had a close relationship with him. But then I have to consider one of my favorite stories in the New Testament, the story of Ananias and Sapphira found in Acts 5. There are times when our actions would take an entire movement off course and God chooses to intervene. God could not let Moses and Aaron continue to lead his people. He cited two areas of issue. Number one, their unbelief, and number two, their unwillingness to honor him as holy. Remember, when we let darkness in, we are also letting light out. Had Moses not been so angry, he probably would have believed that by God's grace, he could speak to the rock and water would come forth. But darkness limits our ability to have that type of faith. So Moses hit the rock instead, twice. Furthermore, in his frustration, Moses gave credit to himself and Aaron for the gift of water, which would signal to the Israelites that it is Moses and Aaron who should be honored and not God. Moses, like us, seemed to forget that no matter how overwhelming the emotions are, we're still left with choices. We do not have to act from a place of malice and bitterness. We can choose God's light. After all, if Moses needed 30 minutes to regroup, he could have taken them. If he needed to give God his burdens, God would have accepted them because compassion and mercy are always options in God's eyes. It is Satan that would like for us to believe that we must act on the darkness even though it's not in our best interest. Unfortunately, when we don't believe we have choices, we have a tendency to act out, and usually we would also like for others to join us. For example, it was not enough that Eve was disobedient. She wanted Adam to participate too. Since the beginning of our time here on earth, we prefer for our sin to be communal, as if that somehow justifies the actions. I've often felt frustrated when others have expected me to align with their bitterness and sprigs of darkness. It's overwhelming because what you're really saying to me is that I should trade God's light for darkness. We forget that sin is an infection that grows within us. For some, it strikes quickly. Yet for others, it takes a bit longer. But do not let time mislead you. Once you let sin in, it eventually shows up through our emotions, actions, guilt, pain, and consequences. Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32 warn us against letting this type of sin enter when the scriptures state, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Malice can only exist where forgiveness does not. When we hold on to wrath and bitterness, cloaked with malice, what we are really saying is that we are not in the emotional space to forgive. And if we are not in the emotional space to forgive, we must be careful to realize 
that we are putting ourselves in a space for God to not forgive us. Now, forgiveness is not always easy or simple. The pain we endure can reach the very depths of our souls. But how long will we hold on to our anger? How long will we feel justified in our resentment? Letting go of the wrath and anger isn't about winning or losing or allowing someone to get away with mistreating us. Instead, it's about allowing ourselves to heal. It's about putting us in a space to connect with God on our deeper level, trusting that He will take care of the outcomes. In these spaces, we can make better decisions so that we do not find ourselves separated from God. Our words will be kinder and our intentions clearer. After all, there is no situation that is worth us not entering God's presence. So each day, as we face life's difficulties, we must learn to feel our emotions and then to leave them at the foot of the cross. If you don't know how to, ask God to show you. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into all truth if we are willing to trade the darkness for God's light. God bless and see you next time with Loves in Action.